Hello and welcome to Open Door, an education podcast that gives you a glimpse into the classrooms of educators from all around the world. I'm Chris Galley and I'm joined as always by my colleague, co-host and friend, Mr. Lee Blowers. Good evening, Lee. Good evening, Chris. How are you? I'm very well. Yourself? Yeah, doing well. Doing well. Thank you very much. Good. You know, I just realised we're more than halfway through this academic year. Scary thought. Wow, yeah, that's gone very, <laughs> very quickly. Has indeed. Hey, so um, how's that post-bet fatigue going? Ooh, not too bad, not too <laughs> bad. It's a long week, though, bet week, isn't it? It is indeed, it is. I think like any of these sort of events, you know, it, it just really sort of takes a toll on you and you need a few days to recover, don't you? Yeah, yeah. I mean, you were there every day of bet this year? Yeah, and a little bit more. <laughs> uh, so yeah, I definitely needed a couple of extra days to recover, but I think it was definitely worth the while. Um, it was your first time at Bet, wasn't it? That was my very first time. So on the was... Wednesday, the opening evening, oh. getting the train straight from work and straight into Bet. And yeah, he's huge. It's Something immense. I never realised. <laughs> <laughs> and so what were you doing there? What was your experience like? And just kind of wandering around all the different stalls, people sharing what they have. And um, I went to see the international teach meet. So mm. that's kind of different teachers, different educators from all over the world sharing for three minutes their action research projects or just some ideas or a unit that went really well at work. So that was a really nice thing for mm. educators to have that opportunity to share. Um, how about you? What were you up to this bet week? Um, so I was stuck up in the Apple pop-up classroom um, for most of the days, um, which was an amazing experience. Um, just getting to meet hundreds upon hundreds of educators from all over Europe and the world uh, and sharing some of the Apple everyone can create resources. Um, so I was working on the AR stand and um, that was a lot of fun. Um, just sharing that experience with people. A lot of people haven't used AR before, and so walking them through that, um, it was really good. Um, and I believe you were you were playing football, weren't you, um, on the Saturday? I did. There was a special bet tournament um, set up for the Mind Charity. Mm -hmm. So looking at mental health. Um, so, yeah, that managed to raise around £5,000 and it was mm. a, sort of a five-a-side football charity. Good opportunity to network with teachers from all over the country. We had Definitely. teachers there from Isle of Wight and people who'd driven all the way down from Newcastle just to participate in that. So that was fantastic. Wow, that's incredible. And I think like all of these events, you know, related to education, you, you obviously get something from the experience, from the talks, the presentations. But it's about the the people you meet and, you know, putting that face to the name that you've maybe read on Twitter or you, you've read their book. Um, but just forging those connections is the most valuable part, isn't it? Absolutely. I think, you know, this podcast, we always talk about the connections and the network and how important that is. <laughs> yeah. And um, yeah, it was great to meet some of our friends of the show. Yeah, absolutely. I know we got to hang out with um, Jacob Ebsen Hansen, um, Jacob Wolcock, Matt Warren, Paul Tullock. 
Yeah. Catherine Mangan, Faye Alice, lot, lots of great people. And I believe um, also our guest for tonight. <laughs> yes, that was a good segue. <laughs> <laughs> so tonight we're going to be joined by Hannah Sachs. And Hannah is the Educational Technology Coordinator at the International School of Lausanne in Switzerland. Um, Hannah's originally from Glasgow in Scotland, and she's got a background um, in film, and she's also done a master's in information and library studies from the Robert Gordon University. Um, Hannah's worked internationally in Dubai and Scotland, so it'll be interesting to see her experience working in different countries. She's an Apple Distinguished Educator as well as a Google Certified Educator. Uh, so she definitely fits within the, the wheelhouse of this podcast, I think. Mm. Yeah, it's gonna, I'm excited. I'm looking forward to the conversation with Hannah, learning a bit more about how she has empowered her learners to take action through technology. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. And Hannah's someone I've been following on Twitter for quite a while. Mm-hmm. And just looking through that feed and the kind of things she shared, it's very clear that she's a lifelong learner and she's continually um, finding ways to develop herself and then put that back into the classroom. So I think this is going to be a great chat. Yeah. So let's get into the conversation with Hannah. Hi, Hannah. Welcome to the show. How are you? I'm good, thanks. How are you? I'm not too bad. You know, we were... Um, sat together here in London last week and unfortunately with the, the craziness of bets and the fatigue we we didn't manage to actually make this happen in person um, but yeah. we're really glad to have you here on the show tonight so thank you for joining us. You're welcome I'm happy to be here. Great so how was your experience at BET? What brought you to London? So it was fantastic yeah so um, I got invited to the Apple Leadership Summit which happens every year uh, in in sort of conjunction with BET. It's not a BET event as such but they, they run it um, at the same time mm-hmm. um, and I was invited to that by our Apple uh, retailer here in Switzerland uh, which was a really interesting experience. So it was a sort of half-day summit uh, with, with presented by Apple, uh, sharing school stories of transformation through using uh, primarily iPads. Um, and then I've never actually been to BET itself, and I thought, well, I'm going to be in London, and mm-hmm. I might as well take the opportunity to go um, along as well. And I did, and it was great. Yeah. Uh, really, it was it was overwhelming for sure. <laughs> uh, <laughs> But in a good way, you know, there's just so much to see. Um, and like you said, you know, there was a bit of bet fatigue at the end where I was like, I, just, <laughs> I, can't, I can't walk around anymore and I, I'm losing my voice from having spoke to so many people. Um, but yeah, it was a really good experience. Wonderful. What was your best takeaway from the show floor? What was sort of your wow moment? Uh, for me, it was, well, it was two things. Uh, one was seeing um, school presentations where, where they brought in students and had them, you know, show what they've been doing in classrooms. That's always exciting to see. And then the other thing for me was uh, the Lego Spike uh, kits, which I'm very excited about. Uh, We use the Lego We Do kits in our school, Mm -hmm. in primary school, and the kids love them. And 
but what often happens in robotics is they come with this expectation that they're going to build what's in their head to very traditional kind of looking robot and uh, i think with the spike kits what they're going to be able to do is is get more into that kind of side of things a bit mm-hmm. um, and it's going to push them a little bit further as well because they do tend to outgrow the we do kits after a little bit of time yeah um, yeah so i'm really excited to to hopefully get my hands on some of those kits yeah, they look fantastic, don't they? And uh, funny enough, we had a, a STEM sharing evening at school tonight, and Lego We Do was part of that. Um, but we were also talking about, you know, this really exciting new product that they got, and we can't wait to get it in in our hands and in the hands of the students as well. So that was definitely a highlight for a lot of people, wasn't it? Oh yeah, for sure. Yeah. <laughs> Um, so sort of backtracking a bit, um, can you tell us a bit about yourself and a bit about your background and how you got into education? Mm-hmm. So um, originally, uh, way back, I actually did a, a bachelor's degree in film and I was all set to, you know, take the world, the film world by storm, <laughs> I guess. <laughs> uh, and then I realized, oh, uh, I have to work for free for a very long time and I can't afford that. <laughs> And I, 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 I love film. I absolutely love it. But it was kind of burning me out a bit working for no pay and having to work other jobs on the side. And one of the jobs that I did was work at a bookshop, which kind of got me into thinking about libraries as a career. Mm. Um, and then I, I worked in a library at a film, uh, sorry, a music and drama school in Glasgow for four years. And while I was there, I did my master's in library studies. And then while I was finishing off my master's, I did some projects on school libraries specifically and got really interested in that side of things. And luckily, when just as I was finishing my master's, a job came up in a school for a school librarian. And I sort of applied thinking, well, it'll just be it'll be good experience to to go through the interview process, not thinking I would get anywhere with it. And then suddenly I found myself with a job offer and I was like, oh, OK, um, and went and did that for a while. And then that took me around the world a little bit. I went to Dubai with, uh, not with the same school, but in the school library side of things. Mm -hmm. Um, But while I was doing school libraries and traveling around, um, more and more I was starting to use technology and and trying to move things forward in the library and see how um, libraries are really sort of evolving into sort of media centers if you like they're not just places for books and uh starting to do some really exciting things with ipads um so a job came up in switzerland which was 50 percent library in the primary school and 50 percent technology integration specialist and i thought this is perfect for me i'd just done my apple teacher certification and i applied and got it so that was really great and that's where i am now at the international school of lausanne um but in the three years that i've been there the job again has evolved and uh now i am full-time um educational technology coordinator which is still doing the technology integration side of things in the primary school but also doing um sort of overall vision for the whole school of where we're going with our educational technology and uh, trying to push things forward in in that respect Oh, wow. That sounds really, really interesting. I love how education allows you to be so globally mobile. Yeah. You know, had, really had some good opportunities to move around and work and also to see that um, your job and your role has evolved as you go. Yeah, it's been kind of interesting because um, if I think back to when I was like a kid, 
never when I was a kid did I think I would end up doing this for a job but actually ever since I was pretty small I've always been interested in technology um, and it's just all sort of it's like it's been meant to, to meant to be all along, I guess, in a way, <laughs> without ever really thinking about it in that sort of a strategic way. Uh, it's just sort of happened. Mm. Um, in terms of moving around and international teaching, um, especially with tech as well, what have you found to be some of the opportunities and some of the challenges you've encountered along the way? Um, Challenge-wise, uh, moving so a lot a lot of the time when you're in a school. Um, your all of the PD you do and all this the skills you're building is very much focused on what that school has in terms of mm. access to tech um, and it may be that if you move you're not necessarily going to school with the same kind of tech so mm. it's a constant kind of changing your skill set and uh, you know learning on the job kind of thing mm. um, but in the same in the same sort of thread it's it's also an opportunity because you do start to become this sort of uh very knowledgeable person on, on lots of different technologies um and also ten, generally in the international school circuit um schools are quite well resourced mm -hmm. so you do you do have a bit more flexibility with um having access to a lot of technology making requests for different things um which you don't always get uh in state schools unfortunately um so that is it is a real privilege to be able to work in these schools that have so many so many resources mm, definitely definitely and so your school you're an ib world school meaning you've got um the three programs from yeah. pyp all the way up to dp yeah um so are you working with all of those age ranges uh not so much i'm primarily uh, primarily in the, the pyp in the, in the primary school uh working with the students um we have a technology integration specialist in the secondary school who works with the myp and dp students uh -huh. um, he's not full-time technology he also teaches uh in science um, but we do find that once you get into MYP, DP, there are not as many opportunities um, to do big sort of technology integrated projects in the same way that there are the PYP, where there's a lot more flexibility um, and things are, are a little bit more free. Um, mm -hmm. so <laughs> it's I'm definitely lucky in that respect. And I always, you know, um, I always sort of empathize with my colleague that he doesn't get quite as many opportunities as me to go into classrooms because teachers do have content to cover and they don't always have the time. Mm. Having said that though, um, we do a lot of work on how you can redesign a lesson or a unit uh, to to enhance it using technology to try and emphasize that we're not here to um, make you do more, like add something on top of what you're already doing. We're just trying to have you think about how you could do it in a different way that's maybe going to engage the students a bit more or have them be a little bit more creative or enhance their communication skills. Um, yeah, so just, you know, lesson redesign rather than putting yeah. something on top of mm. them. I think that's fascinating. I think um, hearing that approach with the DUP and MYP teachers, where it's more about supporting the teachers, do you find there's a difference in the different PYP age groups that you work with on how hands-on you can be, how much agency you allow? Yes, absolutely. Um, our older students 
our it's yeah it's it's an interesting one because uh, our older students are much more they, they they think they know what to do so they're <laughs> they're very much like no no I can do this and that that in itself can be a challenge actually because um you, sometimes you're having to ask them to take a step back and be like well no actually you need to you need to understand this before you can do this mm. um my sort of favorite age range is that kind of upper primary because they are they understand things a bit more you're not also having to work with students who can't really read yet so you know there are the challenges mm. there um, but having said that we we have students so we're PYP but we also have an early childhood center and so we have students from age three mm. um, and they're I mean they're fantastic to work with as well it's, it's <laughs> always a, it's always a good laugh when you go down to the early childhood <laughs> center because they have the best questions they're mm. always so excited to see you um and it's just a really fun lesson um as long as you go in uh with an expectation that you might not get everything done that you thought you were going to do <laughs> <laughs> and you just have to kind of go with it a little bit um yeah. and then it becomes a really fun thing a really fun time it sounds a bit like my grade four class as well. <laughs> so the PYP culminates with the exhibition, which is um, supposed to be a student led project, which lasts for about eight weeks. And um, how do you get involved as a technology coordinator? What's the role of technology within um, the exhibition at your school? So it's kind of threaded through in a lot of different ways. Um, what we normally make sure happens way in advance of the exhibition is we're building up a lot of skills and technology um, so that they're ready to go. So in terms of their research, their online research skills, uh, tech organization plays a huge part. You know, do they know how to manage folders, uh, share documents? We use G Suite our school um so you know making sure they're really well versed in uh having shared folders and working together in teams uh giving files sensible names it's, it sounds like basic things but actually when you're working with 10 year olds um mm. it's not always something that makes sense to them so we do build up a lot of skills throughout the year just to to try and so we're not trying to teach that at the same time as the exhibition. Um, and then when it comes to the exhibition itself, um, I can be helping with that, but also um, usually I am assigned as a mentor to a couple of groups who have uh, particularly tech focused projects. Um, so in previous years, uh, the first year I was there, we had a, a group of students who wanted to really look at AI. And we actually ended up working with the Raspberry Pi a little bit. A few years ago, the Raspberry Pi magazine mm -hmm. released a kit where you could um, work with the Google Voice Assistant and build in your own commands. Um, wow. And so we worked with that a little bit, and that really kind of blew their minds. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I mean, that would blow my mind. That sounds amazing. <laughs> yeah, they, they really they really loved it. Um, but it can also be smaller things like... Um, I know like a lot of students are very into Scratch and they've used it a lot and they want to use that within the context of their exhibition. Um, so it's just, you know, helping them out a little bit with the code there, making sure that things work. Um, sometimes it can be a logistical thing for when they actually do the exhibition evening, uh, making sure that um, all, their, all their things are set up so that they'll work on the night. Uh, lots of different things. But yeah, tech for sure plays, plays a huge part in the exhibition. Mm -hmm. 
That sounds amazing. I think we'll definitely have to do some follow up and find out what your students get up to this year. Yeah, well, we're <laughs> almost we're almost almost going to be starting um, in a few more weeks' time. Um, we're mm. on our we're on our government systems unit at the moment, and then after that comes the exhibition. How exciting! Amazing. <laughs> So, Hannah, we met last year at the ADE Institute and um, I saw your fantastic pitch and you were talking about you had this idea for empowering students to contribute meaningful solutions to global issues. Yeah. And so, um, first of all, can you tell us a bit about that pitch process and then also um, what sort of inspired that idea and what's come out of that as a result? Yep. Um, so after I found out that I'd got into the institute um, in the sort of weeks leading or months leading up to it, um, they, they'd put out various different things that you could sign up to be a part of and one of them was the pitch uh, the idea being that you might have a burning question or problem that you want to um, get up and pitch to the to the crowd you have one minute and then everyone is assigned one of the problems and you go to a room and you work through a kind of it's I guess it's kind of like an almost a design process uh, where there's a lot of iteration of ideas and so the idea being that you're you're harnessing the power of a room full of fantastic ADEs which is a really <laughs> great resource to have um, so when I was when I saw the pitch the first thing that kind of sprung to mind is that uh, our students often um, they're they're keen to be real world problem solvers. They they really do want to solve problems, but sometimes um, they struggle to come up with things that are really meaningful and will have a long lasting impact. Um, and actually, that, that that's something that comes up in the exhibition a lot is what's the follow through after yeah. the exhibition itself. So I started thinking about that and I started thinking about um, the sustainable development goals. And originally my pitch, um, my first version of it was to create some sort of resource that could uh, help teachers with teaching the sustainable development goals um, using technology as something that can really help them with that. Because obviously technology is this great tool for connecting people and helping students in that respect. Uh, and that was kind of my first idea. Um, and then with the pitch process, you submit your idea. Um, and then Peter Ford, who, if people don't know, is the EMEA uh, ADE manager. Um, he got back to us all with a kind of uh, suggestions about how we could change it a little bit, because the idea is that your pitch uh, problem is quite open-ended. You're not coming in with uh, a kind of fixed solution that you want to work on. Um, whereas, so my idea for a, a guide is, is obviously quite quite narrow and you want it to be a bit broader. So that was when we came up with the idea of it being more about empowering students um, to solve meaningful problems. Mm -hmm. So yeah, that was that was a, a really interesting experience standing <laughs> up as a, a brand new AD to about, I don't know how many people were in that room. What would you say about? 500 or so. 500, yeah. <laughs> with Ooh. these lights shining in my face. <laughs> <laughs> Um, so but it was good, I have to say, um, and I said at the time to other to people afterwards that if you're new to the Institute and you want to, to put yourself out there, the pitch is actually one of the best things you can do. First, because you get a whole bunch of great ideas for your problem. But second, because you stand up for one minute, you do your pitch, but then when you go to the room, uh, there's someone from Apple there <laughs> helping to lead it. So you're actually not doing that much. 
but getting a lot out of it. Um, so it's it's probably it's a lot less terrifying than standing up and doing um, like one of the stories of impact, for example, <laughs> um, or doing like uh, Battle Mania, which is just absolutely terrifying. <laughs> <laughs> Um, so yeah, it's, we we did the the iteration sessions, and there was a huge amount of great ideas came out of there. And one of the ideas that um, so basically we had to go through them all, and then pick the best one, and then and then come up with some final ideas. And probably the best, the one that really stuck out, and that I still hear from people now about, is this idea of some sort of platform that can connect students. Uh, in different classrooms around the world so that they can um, almost pitch their own problems to each other and uh, have them come up with ideas for them. So it's almost like recreating the pitch session, I guess, in a way um, mm -hmm. for students. So that is the, the what we came up with. Unfortunately, there's not been that platform built yet because as you know, working in a school, um, you want to you want to be able to if you have something going, you want to be able to actually use it within the context of whatever you're doing at school at that time, um, and it's just been a bit difficult to arrange uh, people all able to do it at the same time with their students. It's been the kind of, so it's been basically a problem of logistics mm. uh, trying to get it, but it's absolutely something I do want to build, and I've been thinking about it recently, and I was like maybe I just build a platform and put it out there and then uh, just try and promote it as much as possible and see people can sign up at different times. I'm not really sure. And then there are kind of platforms that, that kind of exist on the same level, but they're not quite what I'm looking at. So there is definitely some work to be done there. Uh, I'm just not exactly sure when right now. Wow. It's a fascinating idea. And, you know, being in the room when you made that pitch, my ears just pricked up because I was like oh yes you know this is definitely something I would love to be involved in I've sort of had similar ideas myself mm -hmm. um, and I think the idea of sort of as you put it almost a social media platform um, where students are empowered to connect with each other on an issue which is meaningful to them sort of in a way that we do as educators you mm -hmm. know on, on Twitter or other platforms um, but to to share their ideas and to connect on one problem is out it's almost amazing that that doesn't already exist <laughs> yeah there's versions of it you know there's um i don't know if you know the global citizen website um which it's not really i mean it, it's similar but what it is 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 people can gain points for taking action on different things mm. um but it's things like signing petitions or tweeting out about an issue. Uh, mm. So I'm looking for something that would like sustain a longer relationship and really get into that deep problem solving. Um, so yeah, I think maybe I just need to build it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, well, it does. Yeah. Sound, it sounds like you're sort of marrying up so many wonderful ideas and bits of things that do exist and don't yet exist. Yeah. Um, so as you were talking, I was kind of thinking of the Skype classroom yes. that's been yeah. going on, but also. Um, some of the work going on with Scratch and how that's its own kind of community where people jump in. Yeah. And it's almost open source and everyone supports and helps each other in their ideas. Yeah, yeah. There are a lot of, um, yeah, like you say, there's a lot of like platforms that kind of meet bits of it, but there's not one that I, not that I've found anyway. Maybe someone listening will, will be like, hey, I, I run this amazing site and I'll be like, <laughs> I don't have to build it myself anymore. Um, <laughs> But yeah, like you say, yeah, there's there's bits out there, um, just not quite 
that complete thing because like I said that actual process of pitching and then getting all those ideas was so valuable um, that I would love for something out there that can recreate that for students yeah well I predict in a year's time someone will be listening to this very episode and they'll send you a message and say have you heard about this and you'll say that's what I made (laughs) that's what came out of that Um, so you've been mentioned in the sustainable development goals and they keep popping up and um, they're seeming more and more important in schools. So maybe you could just tell us a little bit, what are they and why do they matter? Yeah, so the sustainable development goals, uh, they were um, agreed on or released, I'm not sure, really sure what the terminology would be, by the United Nations in 2015. And there are a set of 17 goals um, that they want to have achieved Uh, Basically, all the the UN world leaders agreed to it. They want to have achieved these goals uh, by the year 2030. So 10 years from now (laughs) already. Already we're five years into the the goals. Um, So the the goals, they're they're very sort of, they basically want a sustainable future for everyone. Uh, And they're things like no poverty, uh, climate action, gender equality, uh, building um, good industry, infrastructure, um, there's a lot of really, really great goals in there, very uh, quite lofty goals. What they did, what, what I really liked about them is that they, they uh, publicised them in a way that was very easy to understand for mm. everyone. So you've probably seen um, the poster of all the goals. They've got really great graphics with very simple terminology, simple icons, so that they can be understood uh, by anyone. Um, but then if you go onto the, the Global Goals website, you find a lot more information about exactly what they they mean when they say life on land, life below water. Um, so, yeah, there's a lot of uh, really, really good goals in there for sure. Um, and we've been looking at them a lot in school, as most, well, a lot of schools have around the world now. Um because they're also a really great framework for when we want to have students think about taking action and what can they do. And, you know, it's really good to to say, well, you know, the United Nations, which for us in Lausanne is not too far down the road. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, They've come up with these goals and, you know, it's to make life better for everyone around the world. And and having that framework of uh, very particular goals is very helpful, uh, especially for younger students to understand, you know, well, I'm interested in equality and there's one specifically on that. Um, mm-hmm. So that's it's quite nice to have that as a teacher. Yeah, as you say, I found them very useful um, for myself as a teacher. Mm-hmm. So I'm able to go around the school that I work in and look at what have kindergarten got and what have some of the um, older classes got going on in their classrooms and which goals are they connecting with. And that way my students can feel, oh, OK, we're also looking at life on land and they feel like there's a connection and there's an easy way for them to begin that discussion about yeah. what they're learning. Yeah, yeah, it's it's nice for them to have those connections. Um, and it is nice when when a class in one year level is working on something similar to a class at a different year level, um, because then they start to see that uh, this is something that, they, they start to see different different ways that people approach them as mm. well. And um, that that's really uh, helpful, I think, for the students. And so speaking of the students, how do you make them aware of these goals? How are they promoted within the, the classroom itself? Uh, so it's a work in progress. Uh, I wouldn't say it's 
100% of the time across all our, our units of inquiry right now. Um, but um, they definitely, I mean, there's very obvious connections for certain units. Um, and where there are those obvious connections, um, that's when we would start to introduce them to students. Uh, one of the things that we're doing this year for the first time is actually is our PYP exhibition is going to be um, the goals are going to be a framework for how students decide what they're going to do in their exhibition. So they'll be linking their project to one of the goals, mm -hmm. um, which is, again, having that framework is fantastic because sometimes I mean, you'll know yourself. Sometimes you have students who just they really they really are from the get go. They know what they would like to to investigate and do a project on for the exhibition and then sometimes your students are like I just I, I don't know uh, so, <laughs> so having some sort of framework like the SDGs mm. and uh, for them to be able to, to to be like okay yeah I can see in this area where there might be something of interest uh, that's going to be super helpful for our students actually um, and again the fact that it's just it's something that it's external it's not something we have come up with as a school it's something much bigger than that uh, it is quite inspiring and motivating for them because they see it as a, a real world thing rather than just a school project, you know, mm -hmm. um, and they feel like they are really, you know, working towards um, achieving something big. Yeah, it's amazing. And have there been any sort of meaningful or uh, significant outcomes um, from the students work connected to the goals? Have you seen any of those projects come out of the classrooms? A lot of what they do, um, it, it kind of goes. <laughs> what was was it, did it come out of the institute? The the Think Global Act Local Act Local thing was that the institute where we we talked about you know make, taking yeah. action at local level. A lot of it is very much Think Global Act Local. So they get inspired by the goals and then they they think about how that can be applied on a, a sort of local um, basis. One of the things actually. Um, so we have an eco society in school both in primary and secondary um, and what's nice about that is that they run together uh, they have separate meetings usually because of timetabling but they are as a as a whole school it is the isl eco society and they've done a lot of work on um, climate specific issues and then from that one of the things we that came out of that last year i think it was was uh, they were going to stop using uh, plas selling plastic uh, bottles of plastic, sorry, plastic bottles of water in the mm -hmm. vending machines uh, because we have water fountains. We don't need uh, wat bottled water. So that was the first step. However, we've just announced at ISL from August we're going to be single-use plastic-free. Oh. And that has definitely come out from the work of the Eco Society and all of the campaigning they've been doing. Uh, the, the students in secondary, they send an email out every Thursday um, with a, a Fridays for Future suggestion of something you can do um, to help uh, on climate action. So it can be something quite simple, like maybe you don't drive to work tomorrow, you, you walk, mm. you bike, or you take the bus. Um, and I, I absolutely believe that that's a, played a huge part in that decision is through the work of our students really campaigning so i'm excited about that it's definitely going to be a challenge um because when you look at the the vending machines just now for example there's so, so much stuff <laughs> wrapped in plastic and i'm going to be like we've we talked about it today actually we have these fantastic cookies in the vending machine and, and we're like oh people are going to be like quite upset when these cookies go because they're wrapped in plastic <laughs> We're going to have to come up with a solution for this, <laughs> um, but that's that's a huge that's a huge thing for a school to say. 
we are not going to sell anything that is in single-use plastic. We're not going to use single-use plastic. That's that's huge. Um, and I, I really admire our school for doing that. But absolutely, like to go back to the original question, that has come from student action. That's incredible. Um, I, I, by the sounds of it, that example of the cookies, that could be a great PYP exhibition project. <laughs> exactly, yeah. Can we, can we design some sort of wrapper that will keep it safe in the vending machine, but is not plastic? Uh, <laughs> I, might, I might talk to our year six students about that, actually. <laughs> and I think that's one of the great changes that was introduced with the uh, enhanced PYP a couple of mm -hmm. years ago. Um, and they sort of redefined what action could actually mean and I really like how they broke it down into I think there was five different strands yeah. and as you say one of those was personal choices and very often you know teachers we sort of confuse this idea of action with being some sort of um, world-changing choice and project when actually um, just not driving to school or taking a bike or not using a plastic bag um, those choices can be quite often the most significant, can't they? Yeah, absolutely. And um, sometimes we 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 think, well, that that idea it's not it's not very grand, but actually, to the student, that can be a huge difference to them in whatever they're proposing. You know, it might not be something huge, but it'll make a big difference in their in their day to day life. Yeah. Um, so, Hannah. I wanted to speak to you a little bit about the book that you've just released on Apple Books. Yep. And you've connected that to lots of apps that support student-led action. Yeah. Could you tell us a little bit more about the book and some of the apps inside? Mm -hmm. So the book is called Apps for Action. Um, and it's basically a collection of uh, really good apps that either support students' understanding that will help them when they when they do want to take action or it will directly support them in taking action. So um, I started out with this idea that I was going to do an A to Z of apps that could support action. <laughs> and then, <laughs> well, but then when, you, when you, you start getting, when you look at apps, you suddenly realize how many start with the letter C or the letter D <laughs> and how little start with like X or Y. So I was like, no, this is not going to work because I'm not going to have a complete A to Z and then I'll be shoehorning things in or I'll be taking things out that are actually really good just because I have too many for that letter. So I, I scrapped that idea, but then I, I looked at what I already had in my list and I was like, well, why doesn't it just, why doesn't it just a list of apps? Like it doesn't have to be an alphabet. Mm. So <laughs> I took that and what I wanted to do was, yeah, say, you know, what, in what way does it help? Uh, so basically what is the app and then how does it help students take action? And then on the side we have information about is it free or is it paid? Um, is it helping their student understanding or is it helping them actually take action? And then uh, where it could support a specific sustainable development goal, I included the little um, icon for the SDG that it can support or icons because some of them actually can support a number of goals. Uh, one of my favorite apps <laughs> there, uh, mainly for its name, is the one called I Love Potatoes, <laughs> which I don't know if you've ever actually used, but it's fantastic for younger no. students. So good. So it was actually produced by the National Film Board in Canada, and it's a little game uh, where you play as a character in this world where uh, the village gets all of their resources from a potato monster. Um, but to get the resources, they have to feed 
potatoes to the potato monster. Obviously. Um, <laughs> don't we all do that? Um, yep. <laughs> but then basically what happens is there's a problem with the potatoes, the potato supply because of things like greed, uh, resource hoarding, there's some environmental issues that cause a bit of a, a, a drought and then there's less potatoes growing. Um, and so the game itself is fun for students, but there's a bunch of extra uh, lesson resources on the website and there's a little documentary as well. Um, and what that, it really helps younger students understand these, these issues like, you know, uh, people don't always have the resources, uh, environmental issues can affect uh, the food supply chain, it, uh, greed can be a real problem um, in a really nice way. You know, it's, it's a fun, mm -hmm. it's a really gorgeous app as well. The design, the, the, the artwork in it is, is really good. Um, so that's a really good one. I really like that. Mm. And then my other one that I really like is Equity Maps, which mm. is fantastic. So I think not 100% sure. I think originally the idea behind equity maps was um, for situations in schools or universities where your uh, contribution to conversation actually makes up part of your grade. Um, you know, so it was a way of tracking who's saying what, when, basically, and how mm. much they're contributing to the conversation. But the way I've used it and the way I've seen it suggested as being used by some people is to to get a better sort of overview of uh, is uh, one particular group or person really hogging a conversation and then so basically you set up your class um, on the app with all the student names and then you hit record and basically you as a teacher you just tap the person who's talking so it's very easy to, to still be involved in the conversation but track this then when the conversation's over you hit end and you get some really great statistics and graphs about who spoke when, um, how often they spoke. And for students, the, the reason I put it in the book was I thought it's a really great way to help people understand things like gender equality, um, mm. because quite often it's, it's a very sort of hidden thing that people don't realize that certain groups, certain types of people will often be hogging the conversation without realizing it. And um, because of the way that things are set up in our society, some people do not feel like they can speak up as much. Um, so it's really fantastic for building the student awareness because it is quite a hidden thing in our, our society. We don't realize it happens until we're presented with that kind of evidence. Mm. Um, and it, yeah, and so it's, it's one that really builds student understanding and can lead to some really good conversations about, well, why, why do girls feel like um, they don't, get to speak up as much in class or they don't they don't have as much to contribute um and why might that be and yeah it's a really really good app yeah it's one of those apps that i've come across myself i haven't actually used it in the classroom but i i love the idea of it and i think particularly for something like a, a literature circle discussion um or a debate it's going to give you some really interesting information about how your classroom is run yeah uh, I guess have you used it yourself? Yeah, not yeah. not not a lot to have to say because yeah. the way that uh, classes are set up when I go in, it's not always a. In fact, it's very yeah. rare a discussion like that. Um, but the times I have used it, yeah, it's it's very useful for that for sure. Yeah, I guess for me the challenge would be, you know, managing a debate and managing the app as well. Um, it's almost yeah. one of those where you need 
another adult in the room <laughs> just on that. Yeah, uh, you absolutely, you do need to do a little bit of setup to start with before you actually go into the, the session. Uh, what, what almost makes me laugh is that um, as well as, you know, tapping who's saying, who's speaking and when, um, there's a button you can press that just, I think it's called, it just says chaos. So when everyone's talking over one another, you can actually track that. <laughs> That, you know, when you it's not easy to say, okay, he's talking, okay, she's talking, you know, it's everyone talking at the same time. Chaos, sure. Mm -hmm. I'd, I'd be pressing that <laughs> a lot in my it? classroom. <laughs> <laughs> oh, it's definitely an app that um, I'm excited to try. Actually, one of my previous schools I worked at, the PYP teacher showed me this kind of idea, but just with drawings. So mm -hmm. she would just write the names mm -hmm. in a big circle mm -hmm. and then she would draw a line towards someone and kind of cross it out and that was to show the uh, number of interruptions uh -huh. and who were the people who got interrupted the most and who were the people doing the interrupting yeah and then she put it up on the board and they would all sit and have just that kind of conversation you were talking about yeah about you know who is who's getting the most opportunities to speak who continues and to talk um when other people are talking who has that kind of confidence and yeah, and I think away. I think it's important that when you do have that discussion, it's not you may, you have to make it clear it's not to like pick on a person and be like, mm. oh my god, you talked, you spoke ninety percent of the time. It's just to kind of raise that awareness. You know, you mm. don't ever want to like shame someone for talking, <laughs> um, but you know, to just to, to just get thinking about like why why does one person feel like they can't speak up? Mm. Uh, you know, it's not about you know picking on someone for speaking too much. No. No, just to allow and make everybody aware of yes. uh, the people who don't get so many opportunities and how can we help others and how can we take action, I guess, yeah. to, to help others. And I think that's, that's, um, that's quite important in a primary classroom where often developmentally, like the students just aren't aware, like always aware of those cons being considerate of others and giving them mm -hmm. that time to speak. Definitely not. <laughs> <laughs> Well, I think this is a fantastic book and um, we're going to put a link to it in the show notes if anyone wants to have a look at it. I'd highly recommend it. Even if you're not in uh, PYP school, there's some fantastic apps here um, and you've given some really great ideas of how they can be used in the classroom and you've brought it back to the SDGs as well. Um, so making that link with action is really fantastic. I when I saw you share this on Twitter, I definitely filed it under. Why didn't I think of that? Because this is incredible. <laughs> that, 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 that's 90% of my time on Twitter, I feel like. <laughs> okay, well, Hannah, um, we thank you so much for your time this evening um, to share some of the fantastic work that, that you're doing. Um, if people aren't already following you online, where can they learn more about your work? Yeah, so most the place I'm most active is Twitter. Uh, I'm making with tech on Twitter. Um, I do have a few videos on YouTube now, but uh, I know Jacob Wilcock. I'm, <laughs> I have about <laughs> three videos on on uh, YouTube, but it's the same channel as making with tech. Um, but yeah, Twitter is where you'll you'll find me most of the time. Wonderful. Well, yeah, definitely a, a worthwhile follow. And as we said, please check out that book uh, on Apple Books. Um, it's incredible. So thank ha Hannah, thank you so much for your time. And thank you for having me. Oh, we will really be following up on your PYP exhibition in the summer. <laughs> yeah, I'm excited to see where we go with it for sure. Okay. Thank you so much. We'll spend it very soon. Bye. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. Bye-bye.
Thank you so much to Hannah for joining us for that conversation. It, it was amazing just to hear some of the, the great work that she's doing connected to student action and empowering learners um, connected to the SDGs. Lee, what were some of your takeaways from the conversation? Well, there were plenty, I think. Um, I mean, talking about the book that she's released, absolutely mm. fantastic. It was really good to hear some of the ideas behind that. And um, I'm really excited to see in the future how she manages to get this empowering students uh, to contribute to the meaningful solutions project underway and what that platform might look like yeah there's definitely a lot of potential there and i think you know if anyone's listening you know i'd highly encourage you to get involved um, make contact with hannah and you know make that happen because you know that needs to exist <laughs> yeah <laughs> Absolutely. I think it's an idea that so many people have come close to getting, but not quite getting there. Mm. So um, be exciting to see that take off. Definitely. You know, for me, the biggest takeaway, um, well, one of the things I'm going to go and do right now is to download I Love Potatoes. Um, that <laughs> sounds like a fantastic app. Um, yeah. And in fact, in in my class, we do a trade unit. And so in the past, we've there's a national geographic game um called the trading game where you can download a pdf you print it out and you get these little cards and the mm -hmm. idea is that you're teaching students all about trade and so you um you set them up as countries and they trade and then you sort of bring in these situations like oh the the price of gold has gone up or etc um mm -hmm. with the idea of them learning about you know commodities and how prices change depending on demand and supply etc but mm -hmm. that app sounds like it does everything uh um, <laughs> to that and it's got a potato monster Absolutely. If you have to feed a potato monster, kids are going to be happy, aren't they? Are they going to be all upset? <laughs> yeah. Well, I've done the same unit before, and we've had uh, Settlers of Catan, if you know that game, out, and pieces go missing, and it's very difficult to keep hold of. So it'd be nice to have an app that does it all. Definitely. So um, thank you so much for listening to this episode of the Open Door podcast. Um, if you would like to learn more about ourselves, then you can follow us on Twitter. I am cgalleyedu. Lee, what's your handle? Mr. Blowers, B-L-O-W-E-R-S. Wonderful. And so you can also find us on the hashtag on Twitter, which is Open Door Pod. Um, we'd love for you to leave a review on Apple Podcasts. Helps other people to learn more about the show. Um, and if you've got any ideas about future shows or you'd like to get involved yourself, then just send us a message and uh, we'd love to have you on. Lee, it's been a pleasure as always. And we'll be back really soon with some more great guests. Yeah, can't wait. <laughs>